Hello. Good evening. Salutations. Nah. <laughs> we was just kidding, people. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your most favorite and most exciting sports podcast to listen to. Welcome back to the Donald and Donald Podcast. Double D. Baba Shop Sports, baby. And you know we coming at you straight off script. Hey, Bob. Giving you a brand new, fresh look at the things you think you already know about that's happening in the sports world today. Go ahead and pull up a chair. Let's chop it up. That's right. We got a blazing hot show for you. Straight out the air fryer. D, my man. What's going on? Let's start right here. The Charlotte Hornets won not one. Not two, but three games in a row, man. (laughs) Listen, it took almost a year to win two games in a row. Now we at three. Listen, I know you probably felt that that first game was a flash in the pan with no sizzle. But now the Hornets is starting to cook. Talk to me. I mean, it is a new look Hornets team, which has brought a new sense of life. Into the team, we got people who Grant Williams and Seth Curry are from here. They're Charlotte born, you know. Uh, so it does mean a little bit more to them. Anytime you come back home and play for your professional team, it's gonna mean something to you. And then you get you look at Trey Mann and uh, Mitchich, who were just waiting for a chance to get to play out there in a deep Thunders team. Uh, so the, all these guys are somewhere. Finally, they get to finally beat them. Grant Williams felt like he was the outlier in Dallas where he was just watching Luka and them do his thing, do their thing. So everybody's coming down. And then the guys who are already here is just now having people who that new breath of life feeling is it, it's, it's, it's relaxing. Right, exactly. So check this out, right? All these wins took place after the trade deadline with a revamped roster, okay? I need to chop it up with you, baby. Let's break this thing down. All right, that first game that they got that dub on was against the Grizz, okay? 115 to 106. Great game. Now, the next game that they played was against the Pacers. Now, check this out. Now, uh, all five of the Pacers uh, starters was in double digits. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he had a double-double on his own with 13 points and 12 assists, you know, looking for, you know, the other ones that was open. And they also had a 10 points off the bench with a six man. Now, the Hornets was able to overcome that double-double from uh, Halliburton with, listen, all five of their starters, man, was in double digits as well. You just talked about your boy Grant Williams. He had 21 points. And my man Seth Curry, man, you know how I feel about him. We done talked about him. 18 points. Come on, baby. That's got to make you feel real good on the inside. Yeah, it's just, it just looks like this team fits together a little bit more. Um, the ball seems to be moving around more. They see, they just seem to enjoy playing together already. Yeah, yeah. And it was quick on how it happened, you know, because uh, it was like uh, just as soon as they almost got there, you know what I mean, took and, uh, put their jerseys on, had a little a little bit of practice and then a little bit of warm-up, you know, it was like, hey, we ready to play. And like you said, that kind of stands out into my mind now. Uh, a, a lot of these players was just kind of, you know, waiting in the balance, you know, trying to take and say, hey, I can contribute to this team. I can make some things happen. I got some points in my pocket. 
they, they just needed a place where they was going to get a real legit chance. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's here, and I think that's now. Um, Check this out. The, the third game that they won was that 85 battle, baby. You know how we feel about the Atlanta Hawks when it come up to Charlotte and vice versa. Listen, your boy Trey, man, he, uh, 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 what was it? Trey Young, he didn't have a, a bad uh, game at all. He had a double-double with 12 and 12. 12 points with a 12 assists, and uh, they had a, a lot of point production off the bench, man, with Hunter dropping in 21 and back Donovich dropping in 12 on his own. But this is what I love. Brendan Miller had another outstanding night with 26 points, man. Your boy Trey, man, you talked about him just a second ago. 21 points and Mitchick 13. And again, Grant Williams showed up with 15 points off the bench. Yeah, it just, it, it all seems to just fit together well. Um, this game we was helped out. The, the Hawks ain't going to win a lot of games when Troy Young going to score his 12 Right. What well, they put the lockdown D on? I mean, but it, that's what they did. I'm just saying, it, it's, it's great. Um, hopefully they keep this up and on a good note build for the future. And hopefully we're able to keep some of these guys that we just brought in. It's, I hope it's not one of those just plug them in for right now to get through the season. Mm-hmm. So it's taking it was it was just a, a breath of fresh air for me, man. It's like um, a, a Hornets basketball right now is is getting back to their winning ways. Now I'm not gonna push it too far right now, okay? It, it's just started, it's just happened, it's very fresh. But when when you think about it, man, when it took almost you no know, over a year for a back to back, now that they they done did three in a row. It has to make you feel good. But check this out. This is the next three games after the ASG game and the All-Star break for the Hornets. Uh, Jazz, Warriors, Trailblazers. Tell me what you think, because I see them going 3-0. and oh. They have a chance to win all three of these games. Yeah. Um, the only thing is that Warriors game, you just got to respect what Steph can do to you. He might go off for one of his... You know, one of his Steph Curry nights. But other than that, yeah, I think we got a fighting chance, especially if we play the way we've been playing. Yeah, and listen, I'm glad that you said about the Warriors, man, because listen, last season I went to that game when uh, Steph came into the house and we beat him. The Charlotte Hornets beat the Warriors, man. Listen, if Steph Curry, if he uh, do 50, we was, hey, and that's all, ain't nobody else doing, doing a 9, 10, 11, and then you get a, a what? A cold clay. All right, hey, you know that we can win that thing, baby. And plus, it's brother on brother. Imanu, Imanu, with that daddy up in the house. Calling the game. Man, this thing, that thing is going to be so exciting. I bet you it'll be a sellout. Must oh, yeah. see TV. Yeah. Everybody's going to want to be in there. <laughs> I love it, man. I just hope they keep this train rolling because it's just a good feeling uh, to win. And it fixes a lot of things. I don't really know if it's just the newness of it all or they done figure something out because I'm not going to give the head coach a pass, but I'm going to see how long it's going to last. <laughs> yeah. Next up, how about your Lakers just chop it up for me? They done won their last six out of seven games, baby, with their last win being against the Utah Jazz. Lakers 138-122. Talk to me. Um, healthy, I really think the Lakers are title contenders. Um, we've talked about it, too, before. I'm just glad we didn't panic and and sell or blow up the team the way we was talking about. Uh, or the way they made it seem we was going to do at the trade deadline. Because um, it seems to me that we have enough to get. Last game without LeBron, we won. We beat the Jazz. Rui stepped up and gave us 35, 36 points. Uh, and he mm-hmm. did, his, did his thing. So it's like 
we have what we need. Um, we figured out the rotation, went healthy, moving Charlie and Prince, putting Rui back into the starting lineup, things like that. It, it's just, it's promising for us. Mm-hmm. It's promising, and and it seems like we always get into this bad start or not starting off as hot as all the other teams. But by the time All-Star comes around, we get into that second half. Because we did it this last year. Uh, right after trade deadline, we did acquire Rory and all these other guys. We did it again last year. So, I'm just... I, we're a learning team. We're a team who figures it out on the go. Um, and it does lead to us having a slower start than expected. But once we get it clicking, once we get it figured out, it, it's, it's a hard thing to stop. Right, yeah, I can understand that, but slow starts are not always good because you just you really have to work uh, that much harder. You already mentioned Rui with <clears throat> Rui with his thirty six, okay, and uh, AD gave us a double double with thirty seven points and fifteen rips. We already said no LeBron, but hey, D'Lo gave us a double double as well with eleven points and seventeen assists. Uh, now I see right here with eleven points from Prince, uh, that right there it, it's decent in thirty three minutes. I guess one of the things that the coach is gonna have to look at a little bit closer. Mostly is if he hitting that night, cool. If he ain't, you need to go ahead and pull. But how about Dinwiddie? Ten points, baby, uh, added to that uh, win. How you feel about his play and his fit into the team? With us taking in the, the Terry and Prince thing, he was thrust to test our lineup because we didn't have LeBron in this game. Like I said, the past couple while we were on this run, he's been coming off the bench mm-hmm. for Rory. So he just started because we didn't have LeBron in this game. That's whatever. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie. Helps as far as you know. Earlier on, we kept toying with D'Angelo on the bench, bringing our Austin Reeves on the bench, trying to have some, trying to have a ball handling because Gabe Vincent never was able to play. Now that allows us to keep both of them in the starting lineup, and it gives us a ball handler on the bench. It's gonna take some him coming into getting used to the team and things like that, but I think he's a great pickup. That's cool. You think you're going to uh, be inserted into the starting lineup if his productivity is there? I just don't see him being able to overtake Austin or D'Angelo at this point. Cool. Not a problem. Gabe Benson, you just mentioned him, man. I mean, is he playing this season or not? I don't think so. Because uh, the last thing I heard about him, he had to have a surgery again. Mm-hmm. And that was a couple. I want to say that was at least two, three months that he was going to miss. Okay, because I know that if he's able to come back and able to contribute, uh, hopefully this year, uh, that makes him just a little bit more dangerous, gives you just another option. You feel me? Yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Listen, you know we had other other games uh, to discuss. Now, the Clippers took care of the Warriors this particular night, 130 to 125. I just want to talk about the Clippers right now, man, because they've really been playing a high uh, caliber brand of basketball. Uh, this night, uh, uh, PG uh, gave them uh, 24, Coffee 14, Zubac 13, uh, Harden 26, uh, Powell with 21 off the bench, and Westbrook with 15. You just tell me when you see this Clipper team and when it comes into your arena, what should we expect? Um, Just a team that can give it to you from a different bunch of places. They're able to give it late. Just with them having three guys who, two of them, winning MVPs, final MVPs. Uh, Paul George was in conversation with MVP when he was in the... So you got three, four of those guys on your team if you, when you throw in Westbrook off the bench. Any one of them can get hot and get going. Two of them can get hot and get going. Three of them can get... And the worst possibility is if all four of them is having a good night. So it, and then you got to think, of, you, they do have Terrence Mann. They got Norman Powell. They got 
Zubak, who obviously didn't do hot twenty eighteen games. So they're a full team who's put it together. Um, it started off bumpy. After that, on five start, they've been the best team in the NBA. They've been the hottest team in the NBA since that on five start. And like I keep saying, they're going to be a team that's scary to see in the playoffs. When you get to playoff series and things like that, it's going to be scary to line up against them and try to pull out four. Right, and I got you. And um, let's not ignore probably one of the biggest power moves that really was a productivity of being humble when Westbrook said, I come off the bench. Man, that right there really put the glue on it. Yeah, I think the Lakers situation kind of helped him be able to take that step back. Um, He was forced to do it in L.A. I mean, it's still L.A., but he was forced to do it for the Lakers. For the Clippers, he seen it did help the Lakers at some point. He's he knew that he that it could possibly help. It takes somebody out of the start lineup who needs the ball. I can have the ball all to myself coming off this bench. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where addition by subtraction and it and it's helping them a lot. It, right. That's just that maturity level of, yeah, people gonna talk about me, people gonna da 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 I understand it though. I've been there, done that. Doesn't matter. I just want to win. Exactly. Now, when you think about him in his career, he's always been a, a walking triple double. And once he taken his engine gets warmed up, he runs hot. Uh, now his numbers have fell off just a little bit, but just what he's able to contribute at this point in this situation in this system on this team is really fun to watch, man. Because you know it's like it's not a lot of people that be willing to take that step, man. So kudos to him on doing it. You feel me? Yeah. Love it. Hey, listen, got another one for you. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> what am I talking about? You know about that Miami Heat, man. And Bam Adebayo, he showed up this night against them 76ers. He had a double-double with 23 points and 14 rips. Tyler Hero had a hot night with 23. Robinson with 20. And you know, that's their shooters. That's how they get down. Uh, Martin, I don't I don't know what's going on with that. He only had eight. But anyway, you took him with High Smith and Jay. Uh, Jay. Jay gave him 16 and 12, respectively, off the bench. This was a good night for Bam Bam. Yeah, great night for Bam. Um, two teams without their top players right now. And uh, in, in that aspect, the Heat, I feel like, has just a little bit more outside of Once you get past Joel and Jimmy, respectively, for both teams, I just think the Heat are more round, a more well-rounded team to survive not having their star player versus Joel means so much to the 76ers. And that kind of benefits the Heat in the way that they do play when Jimmy's out there. That's why Jimmy doesn't have the big nights that you think of from the the, the caliber of players Jimmy is compared to. Mm-hmm. Jimmy will have a lot of silent nights just because it's not they're not super focused on running it through him. Yes, he's the leader. Yes, he's the face of the team. But he's not. We don't. They don't necessarily have a number one guy. They do it by whoever's hot this night and whoever's getting. Whoever has the open looks, take. So they can survive without Jimmy. They can win a couple of games without Jimmy. On the other side, it's kind of the, without Joel, is 
The opposite effect. It's the nail in the coffin for you guys. Right. Um, so, and, and I guess one of the, the great things about this team is that the coach fully understands what what he has or what the team is made up of. And he knows that, hey, if they hot, uh, continue to feed them, and they're able to take and have interchangeable parts. And it's very interesting that they can win these games without the butler. Uh, but when he's in the lineup, uh, he does uh, have an effect on the outcome of the game. Um, I guess the only thing, and I don't, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, it's just kind of the inconsistency, man. I mean, have he played four or five games in a row this season or not? He's just so much in and out of the lineup. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I haven't really heard about injuries or anything like right. that. Right. So I'm just not sure. Okay. Well, that's cool. Let's look at the 76ers for a second. We do know the Joel Embiid situation. We get all that. But Hill had a good night, man, with 22 points. Uh, Maxi, he put up 30. Uh, we know that it wasn't enough, but uh, we still have a situation. Hey. Okay, they are taking – it was a competitive game. They only lost by five. Uh, if they can get a little bit more productivity instead of just nine points out of Oubre and Martin, they might have pulled this game out. Yeah. Uh, again, it, it, it was tough. Like, they was fighting from behind the starting line. I mean, from, from behind the start and, and jump. It's like they gave themselves a handicap. Because then you got to think Paul Reed had to give you 18. And he's not known for scoring. Yeah, exactly. He, he, had, he actually he actually gave a double double with eighteen points and twelve rebounds. And two lose by five. Right. So it's like uh <laughs> And we've talked about Buddy Hill. Yeah, he had a great night this night. His season has not looked like this. Mm-hmm. And he was on a team where they was moving the ball around to everybody. So I'm pretty sure he was getting shots there too. He only was averaging about twelve points on subpar shooting. What, what, are you saying there was a squirrel that found something to eat? Yeah, but the, <laughs> the teeth is. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Understandable. Okay, check it out. Uh, the, the Knicks lost to the Orlando Magic 118-100. First thing that popped out to me for the Knicks was Precious Achua with 23 points. Okay, Jalen Bronson gonna do what he do. He gave you thirty three points and eight Burks thirteen, topping eleven off the bench. Jalen Bronson is not the issue; it's everybody else. You know what I mean? And uh, they losing that, but OG OG Ananobi he out. We out. We got all that other stuff and everything that's kind of going on. Uh, but like you said, uh, what what you think, man? It's just gonna be. We just gonna have to be patient with this thing and kind of wait it out and see who gets healthy. Yeah, they missing Bogdanovich, Hartenstein, Divincenzo, OG Ananobi. And Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. I told Tibbs need to, he gonna need to go ahead and suit up. That's a lot. He can call the game while you're on the court. That, hey, we <laughs> seen playing coaches before, <laughs> but that's a that's a lot to try to overcome. Uh, they they fought, they did fight. I give them that. It, it's just losing those four guys. That's a lot. Yeah. Do you think they're gonna be able to pull it together before the end of the season, man? Especially when it get post uh, close to that post play, baby. Um. I think they're fine when they get all their guys back. Yeah. I'm, it's just depending on how long these guys are going to be out. Because OG and uh, Randall's been missing a couple of games. Mm-hmm. They've been out for a couple of games now. So is, is it something serious? Or, I don't know. Are we all resting them for All-Star Week? Right, yeah. It could be. Not sure. Uh, let, now, I know how uh, you feel about Orlando, man. Very high on a, uh, their young team, but they're they playing very well. Ventura, he gave you 36 this night with Wagner 21, okay? Cole, he had a, you know, Cole Anthony, he had a cool night with 11 points, man. But Ventura, tell me about his play, man, because I know you're high on that one. Um, He has a, a little bit of LeBron-esque to his game. A That's guy, a high compliment. A guy who can do 
almost everything out of high clip. He can get to the basket whenever he wants. He understands how to pull up. He understands how to get his shot over defenses and things like that. He's an underrated passer as well. He's an underrated passer. He has a great vision. Uh, this game, he has five assists on top of that 30. So he's a willing passer too. On top of steal, I'm going out here getting 36. So it's not like he's going out there and chucking up 40 shots to get his 30s. He, he is, he's willing to pass the ball. Like I said, 15 for 20. Great offense. 6 for 10 from 3. Great offense. Tipped in 6 rebounds. That's an all-around game. He's, once he reaches that level of comfortability once he gets his foot like yeah he's getting his toes wet I need him to dive in up to the knees get out the kiddie pool there you go it's time he's gonna be a force in this league for a while Orlando has got their guy and they've also gotten some already solid building priests you you mentioned Franz Wagner we talk about um, Jalen Suggs Anthony uh, not Cole Anthony. Um, they're putting in their rookie now, Anthony Black. Right. Their lottery pick this year, trying to see what he has. Um, I still think Markel Folks has some things in the tank whenever he is healthy. We've seen the research. This Orlando team just, they was doing it quietly, and they're building a contender. Not now, but in the future, I think this team will be able to fight. Right, I got you. And like you say, the more uh, complete games Ventura is able to put together, you know, it only increases the ability to win the game. You know, and like you say, he's coming to his own. It's a building block. It's a work in progress. But, man, they look good. I feel you on that one. Listen, listen, the Cavs played the Bulls. Cavs won 108-105. to I want to start with the Chicago Bulls. The Rosen with 24 on the night. Your boy Drummond put in a double-double with 10 points and 15 rips. But I want again, I can't emphasize it enough with your boy Kobe White with 32 points, man. He had a little bit of help with Caruso and them boys with uh, 22 points off the bench. But Kobe, he ain't stopped. Yeah, uh, he just... I don't know what's going on with him this this year. Five that little under him. <laughs> I love to see it. I love to see it. Um, Eleven for seventeen, five for eight, seven rebounds, four assists. On top of that, it. I think he's running away with most improved player at this point. Pretty much a lock, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's going. Somebody's going to have to put together a couple. You know, one of them thirty point averaging months to come in and take over from what just from what he's did. It, it's it's strides ahead of where we thought he was going to be this year. Yeah, with no Zach Levine, he said, this is my team. <laughs> Somebody got to take those 20 shots. Yeah, exactly. Why not me? I got the ball in my hand anyway. <laughs> so really, I wasn't asking y'all could I have these 20 shots. I was letting y'all know. I'm going to make this bad. I'm going to take these 20 shots. <laughs> and, and watch 15 of them fall. <laughs> If I'm making them, man, y'all can't say nothing to me. No. If I'm not making them, don't say nothing to me. <laughs> get back on D. Grab a rebound. Get, get back on D. All right, listen, Spider-Man, he had 30 this night, okay? Now, Garland, you remember the, the Garland and the Sexton connection mm-hmm. when they had that and everything? He, uh, he ain't really taking it. ain't really been what it was when it was there. Uh, I think a little bit more productivity would help the team. Now, they did win this game, but tell me about Garland a little bit better. It's a, I, I honestly think it's just a fit thing with him and Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. 
um, college section was more of a he 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 could play off ball, and I think that's where he succeeds mostly is playing off the ball. Darius Darius Garland is a he's a scoring point guard with a high playmaking ceiling. He can pass the ball when he's wanting to. But he's a scorer first. Right. He His handles and things like that allows him to get to the basket. He has great shot-making ability. I, I want to say he's a scorer first who, like, who has a high playmaking system. Donovan Mitchell is a scorer. He needs the ball. He's not a – yes, he can dunk. Yes, he has the bounce. He's not a slasher, though. He's somebody who wants the ball and wants everybody to get out the way. That leaves Darius Garland sitting around for a lot of the game. He's a field guy. He's he he has to see. He he wants to see the defense dancing. Mm-hmm. He wants to see how they react to me doing this. He wants. So then he knows how to play his game based off of how they attacked him after the first couple of possessions. While he's just standing there playing off ball, it's hard for him to get into that groove, get into that feeling of the game. And I just think it's something that he's gonna have to get used to. He's been primarily ball handling his whole life. Now, and even in the first couple of years of his NBA career, he had the same role. Now you bring in Donovan Mitchell. Yes, a team is better. Now I'm the odd man out. Right, I don't fit. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's not that I don't want to be here. It's not. I just don't fit. Now I'm trying to for, we talk trying to force that triangle into a circle hole. Don't work. Mm. So, it, you think they're gonna be able to figure it out? Because as long as long as Spider Man is super hot, they have a chance to win. But it'll be an even better team if Garland does it too. Yeah, but you remember that last season when they was at I want to say third seed for a lot of the year, they were looking good. Them two looked good to get. I want to know if it's just Donovan's putting more of that you know pedal to the metal type, give me the ball, I, I can do this, or is it just there? Is it something else going on? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just looks like the connections falling off a little bit. Right, right. So, you know, we definitely going to have to take and keep our eye on it and try to figure out what that is. Listen, now the Pacers, you know, they're coming off that L from the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> now, they had a very close game. They squeaked this one out 127-125 against the Raptors out of all other people, okay? Uh, very interesting, okay? Uh, uh, Halliburton, he looked a whole lot better with a double-double with 21 points and 12 assists. Again, looking to pass the ball as well. Uh, Pascal Siakam had 20 23, Jackson 15, and then it looks to me like you had a very good uh, pine play, man, with a little bit over, what, 38 points off the bench. So, uh, But they squeaked this one out. Talk to me. Just uh, one of those team grinding wins. And the Raptors, too, uh, I feel bad for Scotty Barnes because it's just it just seems like you don't want to be the young guy on a team that just blew everything up. Mm-hmm. And he had a great night this night with 29 points and 12 rips. A great night, man. But ain't nobody else really to play with him. And you got R.J. Barrett. He had 23 points. But like you say. But he's so wishy-washy yeah. too. His performances is like, what are we doing? A little bit of an injustice, I would think. And then the coach is going out saying, I'm the face of the, I could be the face of the league. Not on a team like this. Mm. It doesn't matter how good I play. A team like this don't get me any type of respect, any type of recognition. Right. And when you think about Pascal Siakam, you know he wanted this one bad and everything. They're like, hey, you let me go. I thought I was a building block in Toronto. I guess I wasn't. And uh, But uh, I'm going to do what I can do to, to win this game. Yeah, they, they, that's that y'all going to go with Scotty. Okay. 
<laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Was he not a bad player? Not at all. But as a as a player, you and puts that chip on your shoulder, that battery in your back. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. Y'all thought he was the future of the Toronto Raptors? Cool. <laughs> Got him. Guess what? You know who's happy? The Dallas Mavericks, baby. Listen, they just they just smiling and cheesing and having a grand old time. Feel like they done been rejuvenated. They took care of the San Antonio Spurs this night, baby. 116 to 93. P.J. Washington didn't have a a big night, but he did play 28 minutes. And then Gafford, I think you was high on him. He had a a double-double with 10 points and 10 rips. Uh, Kyrie Irving gave his traditional 34. Lukic, 27. And they had this win. Do what they do. Yeah. um, It's what you expect. Going up against the Spurs, first of all, there's nothing too much to say about the, the game in itself. What caught my eye is, and what I'm sure he's happy with, Luke only had to take 20 shots. Mm-hmm. He only had to score 27. Rest that on. I ain't have to go out there and put up 73. <laughs> and barely win. I ain't have to do that. <laughs> I got Kyrie back. I got these two jumping beans down there. <laughs> Still got Jimmy coming off the bench. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm cool now. And he looking at Kyrie like, hey. It's your turn. Right. You done sat a little bit. I ain't going to sit, <laughs> but I'm going to take a little step back. Right, exactly. And I see where your boy Lively, he back. Yeah. I know how you feel about I, your boy he Lively. Got, he, he got to work back up into that starting lineup spot. I hope they not going with – I love Gafford. Mm-hmm. I hope they're not going with Gafford over Lively in the starting lineup. Yeah, well, you know, they probably like figuring out what they have and everything. You know how it is when you get a a new car, a new game, a new whatever you get this new, you're going to have to see what it do. So that might be a situation where they're just kind of testing it out, giving it a test drive, trying to figure out where they're going to fit them in long term. Well, take them keys back to the dealership. (laughs) You get a little bit of time to work it out. Hurry up and take them back. Now, check this out. Now, I'm going to tell you about the first thing I noticed in this game. First of all, Denver lost to the Sacramento Kings uh, 98-102. to uh, The first thing I see is that Jamal, Word, Jamal Murray was a DMP. Is he hurt? I'm not sure. Okay, well, whatever it is, uh, it was a situation where uh, the Kings took care of business this night. Your boy Aaron Gordon had old double-double, baby. He had 25 points and 15 rips. It was his night that night. You don't you don't see that too often. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's a this team's kind of confusing me. Mm-hmm. Because we understand what they did and who they are last year. You know, and y'all got the same players back. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't give the same and I'm pretty sure they're still a top at the near the top of the Western Conference. They're still playing great basketball. It just doesn't seem as clear cut. That they're one of the best teams in the league. As right. Last year. Exactly. Now listen. Now Jokic, he only had 15 points. All right, on uh, this night, and, and Michael Porter Jr. gave him 19. But here's my whole thing because we had talked about this before. Listen, you was talking about the seeding, how they feel about the seeding, just waiting for the you know basically post play and all that. But the thing about it is, man, you, it, to me it just seemed like they drifting. Okay, they still going forward, but they drifting, man. I don't think it's enough consistency because sometimes it's hard to play. 
play uh, basketball at the at its extreme highest level, and we know that's post play. Yeah. Now it's high all season long, but post play, that's a whole nother season, man. And I don't know. Seem to me like they're a little bit complacent, man. A little disjointed right now. It's, it's, it's kind of like they took their eye off the prize. I got that hunger got fed last year. And it, and it doesn't seem like they still have that. Like, they still play basketball. They're still great basketball players. So, they're going to win some games. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have that same level of wanting to get to that peak, wanting to get back to that mountaintop. I don't think they're that concerned about it. Do you think they're going to fall to a playing team? Um, I don't think – well, the Lakers right now are a playing team. So, it just depends on who you match up against. The Lakers definitely, um, outside of that – I just don't think any of those other teams can beat them in a four-game series. I got you. Well, let's talk about the Sacramento Kings for a second, man. Uh, Harrison Barnes has always been a good shooter, good player. He had 20 points this night. Your boy Sabonis, he had a double-double with 20 points and 13 rips. And De'Aaron Fox, he brings it every single night he hit the floor. He had 30 points, man, all of those uh, in double digits. Uh, Malik Monk, he had a slow night with only six, uh, but uh, they was able still to get it done with that three. Yeah, they the, – the, they big three had a big game, and Sabonis nearly a triple double. De'Aaron Fox nearly a triple double. So we learned who this team is last year. They kind of put us on onto who they're going to be. Um, they're still a young team who meet some obstacles in a way, just not being fully focused, things like that. But they're a great, they're a talented team. Um, I think they're a legit superstar away. Um, either that's a bonus or De'Aaron taking that, that next step from all-star to being the superstar in this league, or is that somebody coming to play with them? Yeah. I think they're one one guy away. Yeah. Uh, it's because, you know, uh, for a while, you know, it was kind of the name was thrown around uh, Harrison Barnes in trade rooms for a mm-hmm. while, man. There was a lot of teams that really wanted him for his shooting ability. Uh, he's very consistent, and I like his play, a UNC alum. Uh, so, you know, he, he's really contributing. And like I say, maybe a star away, but they, I think they're going to make a lot of noise with the rosters that they have, though. Oh, yeah, they're going to push some people. They're going to push some people to the brink. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm really – I'm kind of scratching my head on this one because I, I kind of need to kind of figure it out because – we know who the Grizz is. They don't have John Morant. Uh, he's not there and everything as far, you know, he's injured. It is what it is. We got it. But the Bucks lose to him. Uh, 113 to 110. Giannis gave him 35 points. Lopez had a double-double with 14 points and 11 rips. D. Leonard had 24, and Bobby Porter's gave him 15 off the bench. Listen, to me, man, I ain't saying nothing about a panic button right now, but they got to get it together. Three and seven? It ain't working. And, and, and let me say this one more thing before I let you chop it. They was winning before. They was winning before. They was winning before. What you doing? Talk to me. It's, man, first off, is Dane might not be the fit that everybody thought he was going to be. It, but they sold the house to get him. Yeah, it, it just seems like the... His shot hasn't. It was left in Portland. His scoring ability was left in Portland. That's close to three thousand miles away. Yeah, and then I get he has a lot of things going on with. Him. At the end of the day, though, this is your job. You're, you're, and it's not a job that is on you to do your part. No, we everybody suffers when you don't do your part. You got a coach fired already because you didn't buy in on defense. The team was good. Somebody had to, you know, somebody got to take the blame for us not being able to play a lick of defense. That falls on the coach. Bring in Doc, whatever, whatever. 
it's the same team. It's the same team. You're looking at the same exact team that you was looking at up under Adrian Griffin. Nothing's changed. They're doing the same stuff. Trying to outscore everybody and hoping that they miss. Yeah. So here's the thing, okay? So I'm looking at this thing rather closely. First of all, we know that Doc Rivers is a great coach. Never took it away from him and everything. And we've all also chopped up the situation of, you know, his situations that he's been in with the teams and the players and injuries and all that other stuff and um, the, the playoffs and how that works. My whole thing about it is why would you not want just to see? Because this man, and I'm talking about Adrian Griffin, did not get even get a full season. When he was let go of, there was 30 and 13. Why would you not want to just try that to get a new philosophy and try to see, hey, let's see where this thing goes. But because he was available, Doc Rivers calling games on the sideline, y'all say, let's go ahead and go with that. I just don't understand the move. And I don't have nothing against Doc. Great, great coach, man. But sometimes you need a new breath of fresh air. I know it may have been a situation where, okay, maybe Giannis and, and a couple of them might not seem eye to eye, but you work that out. That's what the newness comes from. You figure it out. They, they, all right, I'll put it to you like this. Is management not at this point in time regretting their decision? Oh, yeah, I don't see how you don't. I don't see how you're not regretting this decision. But it's just, and then you got, the Malik Beasley still in the start line. So I just don't think this roster is as complete as a lot of people just focused on Damian Lillard coming in and then look at the complete thing. I just don't think this roster is as complete as some of the other ones in the league. I saw the other top teams that's in the league. You, you you look at this starting lineup, you're throwing out Malik Beasley and, and Jay Crowder around you. Then you look at the bench. Bobby Portis, we understand who he is. Great six men to have. Then you go Patrick Beverly, Pat Connaughton, Green, Jackson Jr., and then four DMPs from coaches to assists. Right. So it's like, what is – I just don't see where – okay, if Giannis is going to do Giannis, if Brooke and Dame are cold, where is somebody supposed to step up from? We see Malik Beasley. I don't even know how he gets a starting job anymore after these past couple years from him. So Jay Crowder, he's kind of – phasing out of the league. But what are we where's the other production gonna come from? Are supposed to come from for this team. Yeah. I, think y'all I don't have. I don't see it. You see what I mean? Like you say in Brooke Lopez, you know, at the beginning of the season there was a situation he was man, he was <laughs> he was, he just kept shooting threes and, and they was making it and he I don't know what was going on. Maybe they just forgot to check him. He shot nine threes this game. Right. Two for nine. Yeah. Out of Fourteen shots. Right. But like you say, that's done cooled way, way off and everything. So all of those little special games that he had is no longer that. He just need to get down there and rebound, kick it out, and give somebody else another chance. I don't know, man. I don't really know where this thing is going. Uh, but like I say, if they keep this up, they will drop in the standings and they can find themselves man in an awkward position uh, when what they did and maybe what the move was in the beginning was to get them to the playoffs and, and, and make it back to that that final game again I, I just don't know man it, it just it's something that we still gonna have to take a keep a close eye on because right now it don't look good yeah Okay, listen. Now, what we have here next, uh, I really want to talk to you about. Now, you remember the the uh, Golden State Warriors? They lost the game against the, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, and we understand why. But here's the thing about it: the Golden State Warriors won the game against the Utah Jazz, one forty to one thirty seven, high flying uh, activity, and it was and it was a very close game. Here's my thing that I really uh, point this stands out to me: Steph Curry's play. 
He took he had 16 points and 10 assists. That's a double-double. That's kind of an off night for him as far as point production. But what is the first thing that popped in my mind? It seems to be that everyone other than Steph Curry is now being forced to become a better version of themselves, including the head coach. Yeah, um, I think it's just people being fed up with what's being put out on the floor. I was the being the results of these games. Cause you gotta understand, we have one of the greatest of all time. If any of y'all just do y'all jobs, game in, game out, there's no reason why we're this bad or why we have been this bad. And then we talk about another thing that sticks out to me is Clay Thompson got benched this game. Probably the best thing that ever happened to him. With 35 points, still got benched. Uh, came off the bench. Came off the bench. So maybe that's what you needed. You needed to, you know, come off the bench a little for a little bit, see if you can find it that way. But maybe that's – and it's just trying new things. Have him run with the second unit. Have him go up against the second unit. Maybe you can, you know, shine there, and it can give us those – give us that production in those lost minutes when we don't have Steph Curry and stuff on the floor. So – it is. It is still gonna be. Y'all only won this game by three. Mm-hmm. And it's. And we talked about how everybody showed up. Uh, we do. I do acknowledge Steph had a bad game, which can attribute to this. But everybody stepped up. Everybody had decent games. Um, Green had twenty three. Kaminga he had a low game with thirteen. Wiggins had nineteen. And like you said, everybody did step up, especially with Thompson coming off with. Uh, 35 off the bench, and like I say, he was bench, but uh, you know how hot and cold he can be. That just could be this situation, like you say, this night. But hey, you take it. Yeah, take you it definitely take it. You get it. Yeah, you definitely take it. I guess when I think about it, and I don't know, you just what, what they've been uh, known for doing, uh, known for winning, uh, known for putting it together, known for taking being a threat every time they come into your building. Uh, I don't. I think a lot of people are staring them in the eye right now. They're like, okay, they ain't what they used to be. And that's fine. Um, it comes a point where eventually you're going to get caught. Mm-hmm. You're not going to. While you're at the top, it's thirty other teams chasing, thirty-one other teams. So you understand that. Um, it's just once they do catch up or things like that, what are we going to do to prolong us falling off this mountaintop? Right, right. So let's look at the other side for a second. When it comes to U- uh, the Utah Jazz, they they lost by three, but they actually had a great night with Markton giving them twenty, Collins eighteen, George thirty three, Sexton thirty five. Now that they was really like <laughs> making things happen, and Markton had a double double. Collins had a double double. Markton had twenty points. 14 rips. Collins had 18 points and 13 rips, man. So they really stepped up on that side, and then you had that uh, productivity from George and Sexton. Yeah, just a game. This team is still trying to figure out their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they got a lot of promising young players on this team. Uh, it, it's just going to be building it up, building it up. Keontae George is a rookie, um, and he's showing he has a lot of potential. Uh, we, we talk about Collins Sexton and his attitude towards the game and what he brings. Lloyd Markin an all-star already. Walker Kessler, I want to say he was beating the league in blocks his rookie year. Uh, then we talk about John Collins. We know what he was doing in Atlanta for those couple years with Trey Young. So they got a, a solid foundation of players. Um, it's just trying to give them an identity and trying to fill out that roster a little bit more. 
Yeah, I got you. So what you think is the missing piece and going to get them to be just a little bit better? Is it somebody that's on the current roster stepping up or what what do you think? Um it could it could be either way. Uh honestly, because like I said, Keontae George is a rookie. You're seeing what he has, so maybe in the next year or two he's he makes that leap and becomes y'all's number one. Uh but we look at Larry Markner. Can he get back to sustained all star level play? Right. For a full season, can you do that? Uh, Walker Kessler, can you become a what's the word a, a cornerstone on our defense? Building block. Like, can you be our Rudy Gobert? Mm-hmm. Then you know, so they have these type. Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. We got our six men. So we, it's things like this. It's just you have to see them grow, or you cast in on that high potential ceiling and try to bring in a guy. Right, right. Well, like I say, it was a very uh, competitive game, and it was a good game. So we're going to see uh, how that kind of works itself out as well. Listen, when you come to the Trailblazers and the T-Wolves, the TNT game, uh, T-Wolves won this game 128-91. First thing that I took, and I was wanting to look and see us, what was Scoot Henderson's numbers? 15 points in 31 minutes. And I guess that this in and out of the lineup, man, is probably the worst thing that can kind of happen to him. I know you said last game he was nursing some kind of injury or it was listed as such. Okay, he rested that night. But listen, uh, when you when you think about that, uh, uh, we, we talked about it before. They need to put him in the lineup and just keep him in the lineup. Um, yeah, just because that's the only way he's going to get better. Um Sitting and watching other guys play the game ain't really gonna help him. <laughs> nope. Uh, especially because his his thing is, I really think it's just getting comfortable, getting comfortable going up against these guys. Uh, he has to figure out his shot too. His shooting is so inconsistent. Um, and I, somebody made a great point. Um, these G League Ignite guys, these young high school guys who decide to go that route instead of going to college and things like that, they come in and. They all kind of have struggled shooting the ball, kind of have struggled scoring the ball efficiently. Um, And it's just because they're not, once you get there, they're not teaching fundamentals. They're not doing that stuff at G League night. They're they're getting your body ready. They're getting your your reaction moves or your counter moves down pack. They're getting stuff like that, teaching you how to get professional buckets. They're right. not teaching you how to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, we, uh, we, well, I can say I've been kind of uh, heavy on trying to figure out with a number three draft pick, okay, and everything that's kind of going on. Uh, uh, been kind of hard on him, but, uh, I mean, do you do you feel as a rookie having a rookie season? Because it's just when you go in the first round at number three, you need it to be what it be. Yes. And so is it a rookie having a rookie season? Can we Can we say that right now? Um, I mean, of course you can say it. Of course you can say it. But to me personally, it just looks like a guy who's who wasn't ready. Yeah, he was not ready, and he should not have had that. And that's the thing too. They pointed out the scouting reports on Scoot Henderson. They were saying he could knock down the three. He could knock down shots at all three levels confidently. He was shooting thirty percent from three in the G League. Yeah. Where does that go together? Yeah, no. Where does that go together? You know what I'm saying? So it's things like you get the NBA was pushing and pushing and pushing him to where they took him three. He wasn't a number three pick. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't a first round talent. He does. He still has that high ceiling. He still has that potential to figure it out. I you you add pressure on him when you take him number three though, and then 
You take him number three going to any team, it's pressure. You take him number three going to Portland after y'all just traded Damian Lillard, unimaginable amount of pressure. So now it's like, what am I going to do? Chauncey Phillips, I understand his position too. He's a new coach. He's trying to save his job. Mm -hmm. He's trying to figure out whatever I can figure out to win some games, and that might hurt Scoop too. It might end up hurting his development with that going in, pulling them out, setting them down, sending them to the G League, playing them 35 minutes. You know, things like that. Yep, yep. I feel you on that. And it makes sense. Like I said, it's a lot of pressure. But, hey, you didn't get in this game not to have it. Listen, all right, with the T-Wolves, how about this right here? K-Towns gave him 23. McDaniel 17. Uh, Gobert gave him a double-double with 11 points and 12 rips. Tell me about your boy Anthony Edwards, man. He had 34 points on the night, baby. Making it do what it do. Yeah, uh, I think he's he's established himself as one of the next up. He's one of those next guys up. You know, uh, he's right in that conversation to me. Um, the top tier of the next generation is, of course, Luka. You got Luka. You got Jason Tatum up there. You had these guys. I think he's right. He might not have joined them yet, but he's not too far behind them guys. Mm. Like, he's a legit superstar waiting to explode. Like, yes, everybody sees he's a great player, but I just don't think they understand what, even his off-the-court personality, the way he interacts with the media, the way he talks to fans, the way he talks about the game, all these things, he has that it factor to him. He has that all eyes are drawn to me. Mm-hmm. He could be a big star in this league. Right, right. And it seemed to me like he has a shoulder just wide enough to carry that load, man. He's been uh, taking up, carrying himself in a very positive manner and then making it happen on the court. Yeah, he got that self. And I think that's a lot to do with his game, too. The way he believes in himself. The way he believes I can do whatever I put my mind to. Mm-hmm. That kind of has benefited him. And then, you know, the, the chip on the shoulder from not winning rookie of the year. Uh, LaMelo getting the all-star nod before him. All these things is just adding motivation to a guy who already seen himself as the best. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, when you had that added motivation, man, and you find those little things to really get you going, uh, your game can really change things around. That's great. Now, you know we got that ASG, baby. Got that all-star game the weekend and all that stuff that happens in the NBA. Tell me something. What you looking forward to seeing, baby? Uh, they, they going back to the East versus West style. <laughs> <laughs> really, that, that's all it is. Uh, <laughs> It is not, I didn't have anything wrong with the, the pickup style All-Star game either. I, it was cool while it lasted. Mm-hmm. But this is just a nostalgic thing for me. It's, it's a This is what the All-Star game was. Yeah. And it kind of it, it brings more. I think the team, it, it take more competition level to be higher with it being Coast versus Coast or Conference versus Conference. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to lose to the other conference. Exactly. That's bragging rights. Mm-hmm. So like you know, but then you when you were splitting it up, you'll have six guys from the East, five guys from the West on the same team. Only person who get bragging rights is Giannis or LeBron. You know, whoever the captain was that year. Right. Nah, that shit. It, it just feels a lot different. And mm-hmm. then you know, um, it's gonna be exciting. Nobody plays defense regardless. It's gonna you're gonna see some highlight plays, some amazing dunks. Um, I'm looking forward to the three-point shootout with uh, Sabrina Nesca and Steph Curry. 
I just think that's gonna be great TV. It's gonna be something great to watch. Um, either way, uh, it goes. It's just uh, you know it it'll spark that women versus men debate. Mm-hmm. Um, please do not feed into that. Just enjoy what we're about to see. We're right. gonna see two of the great. Sabrina is great in her own right. She she's. The, one of the greats in her own right at a young age what she did in Oregon with the triple doubles and all that she's great um, last year the WNBA All-Star Weekend she went out there shot the lights out That that's why this thing is set up right yeah, now yeah yeah so, and, and it was fun like you say it was very very so fun Steph to watch better be on this Steph better come ready yeah and, and, and y'all better not sleep on Sabrina that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> listen how about the rising stars you know we got some names in there and there uh, Victor Wambiama, Scoot Henderson is going to be in there. Yep. We're going to have a lot of rising stars that's, that's going to be up and coming and rolling. We're going to see them on full display. Uh, like you say, it's not going to be as much defense, but it's going to be, hey, they're going to be trying to make a name for themselves so they can build that res. Yeah, uh, and that'll be that'll be exciting. Um, I think the teams have broke up a little bit differently with them. I think it's like Legends got to select their five or six and they run it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, it's, it's, it's going to be something exciting to watch. Just these young guys going out there. And with the the lack of defense, you'll be able to see them pull out some tricks out their bag. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to watch. Victor going up against Chet. Uh, Scoop going up against Brandon. You got the Thompson twins might get matched up against each other. It's just some. It's going to be exciting and some great entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like both teams on both sides and everything, we know it's not a lot of defense, so let's look at the offense. Both teams score over 150 points apiece? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, they both got some scores. Mm-hmm. They both got some people who go light it up. <laughs> you, you got Luka on one side. You got Jason Tatum and them boys on the other side. So, yeah, Giannis and Tatum. Then you, you know, you look over here, you got LeBron, Jokic, and uh, Luka. So, KD... It, these is the the moments of like you can just sit back and enjoy. Yeah, fun to watch. The, watching the greats be great. Yeah, listen. So tell me something. Who wins and who gets the MVP? Western Conference wins this thing. Okay. MVP by, by double digits. By double digits. Okay. Yes. And MVP. Where they where the All Star game at? Does anybody know? Um, because you know sometimes when they when they send somebody. It's somebody team plays yeah. and try to go with them. But um, I'm not sure. So I'll go MVP, Luca. Okay. I'm going to give it to Luca. All right. Well, listen, you know it's going to be great to watch, and we're going to check it out and make it do what it do, man, because we love we love sports, period, and that's a, a great game. It, it just is, man, with just all the highlights and all the good stuff. It's just so exciting. So we'll check it out. How about this right here, baby? The women's college basketball, first and foremost. Congratulations. Congratulations to CeCe, baby. Our girl. Logo Caitlin Clark for setting a new D1 scoring record in women's college basketball, baby. Passing KP all-time in points scored. History has been made. What's your thought process, baby? Talk to me, D. It was just a matter of time. Uh, (laughs) It was just a matter of time. Just the way she's gone about it. Um, It's great. It's great. Uh... 
Now that she got get now, now check this out. First of all, I think a, a couple of things that kind of stand out to me. Number one, you know she came up eight points short on the last one and everything, and they also got an L in that game. This one was at home, so I think it was a little bit sweeter. Now it's behind her. Okay, it's done. It's taken care of, and it happened kind of soon in that game, man. You know, I, I she may have scored all eight of those points at the beginning of the game, just got it out of the way and say, let's play the rest of the game. <laughs> okay, she beat them 23-22 Ex- in the first quarter. Right, right. So she, she was smoking red hot, and I think she went out with the mindset of, let's go ahead and get this passes so we can get back to playing Iowa Hawkeyes basketball. And I think that's what it is. I want to know now, congratulations again to Caitlin Clark. Great, great, great uh, uh, situation that she was in, able to uh, accomplish that task. Now, it was 106 to 89. Uh, Hawkeyes uh, won, uh, won that game against Michigan. Uh, just tell me what the mindset uh, needs to be right now for Caitlin, because when you look at this game, uh, Caitlin, she had a, a double double with 49 points and 13 assists. Okay, and then Martin gave her 20, and Soki gave her 13. I still think the Soki needs to take, and you know, they need to look to her a little bit more uh, because I think she's going to be the one that's going to give them over the hump. Because you know, of course, this game right here, Caitlin Clark came out smoking red hot. Yeah, um, I just think I don't really think it was a distraction for them. I just think it's all the media was talking about. So they went out on that. Let's give them what they want. They want this record, of course. Kaylee Clark probably, but it's not her. I the way she, the energy she gives off. I don't think she was hyper focused on that record. She knew the record was going to come regardless. She she got about ten more games this year alone. You know, she wasn't worried about that record. The media was pressing it, pressing it, pressing it, pressing it, pressing it. That could be a distraction to everybody around her. As a leader, yeah, let me go out there and get these last eight points, so my team doesn't have to keep hearing about this record. So we can focus on what we're focused on, and that's getting back to that game and finishing the store. Right. I didn't exactly. come back yeah. here to break a record. Mm-hmm. I came back here. To win a shit. Mm-hmm. So now, 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 I just think she looks at everything as a leader. Um, and she's now my team can get back focused on that. In the whole Stokey thing and the rest of our team, can, she they have to because Stokey only got six shots. Right. Somebody has to speak up and say we have to feed her. Whether yeah. that's the Colts, whether that's Caitlin, whether that you know somebody has to, whether that's Stokey herself saying, "Give me the ball down here." Yes, I understand, Caitlin. You're the leading scorer of all time. I get that. I can play. Yeah, because I, I just I don't feel that that 47 points that Stokey did have was a flash in the pan. That's who she is. She has that ability to make some things happen, and they're really gonna need them, and especially when it comes to post play. It's all efficient buckets, right? She's a back to the basket, back you down. Spin over either shoulder, and not can you know? And it's not like she's taking bad shots. This that's why she was able to go in that forty-seven point game. I think only missed three shots. This game, Forfus only missed two shots. She's taking efficient, good looks at the basket. If y'all, and then she runs too. A lot of her points come off her running from rim to rim, and Caitlin being the passer, she is able to hit her in stride and get her some easy buckets. Y'all, I just think you have to focus more on that. And then it turns from a, a all eyes on Caitlin to you have to respect us as a team. 
Yeah, because how many how many teams can say right now they got a good inside and a good outside player? Hey, Iowa has it. So they, they need to take advantage of it, and they need to develop it right now because the M&M is right around the corner. Check this out. Now, you got Syracuse and Miami. Listen, at 21-4, Syracuse is not to be slept on, man. Not at all. Like we said before, there was a little bit quiet kind of coming in here. Ain't nobody really talked about Syracuse, but Syracuse was talking about Syracuse. Listen, 71-60, they beat Miami. When you look at this game, Woolley had 24, Fair had 11, and he had 10 off the bench from Lathan, man. They really made things happen. And I'm trying to tell you, man, they finna make some noise out here. Yeah, uh, this was a defensive game from them. Just saying the uh, shooting splits for Miami. And then they only had one person in double digits, and they started lining up. So they just focused more on defense. Um, but, again, this team is just building up their, their resume building up the team's confidence, building towards those ACC tournaments in March Madness. Absolutely. Now, listen, now, you know, when you think about NC State, man, they up, they in the top five, okay, making it do what it does. Now, then you got, uh, they beat Notre Dame, which is not a bad team. We know how good Notre Dame is. Uh, they beat uh, Notre Dame this night, 59 to 43. Uh, look at it, four out of the five starters, double digits. Two of them, double-double. Baldwin, 14 points, 10 rips. Rivers, 10 points, 10 rips. Hayes gave him 16, okay? Now, they're going to have to ACC, baby. <laughs> yeah, man. We just do it the best. That's all I can say. Uh, the thing that caught me off guard, her dog only had three steals instead of her five plus this game. And they lost. That might have hurt him. And they lost. Exactly. She and they lost. They steal the ball six, seven times a game. Mm hmm. Yeah, and only and like you say, like you say, only only ten points. Hidalgo uh, had she has to play great in order for uh, Notre Dame to be who they are because she are is their identity as a team. So you know, like I said, maybe a little bit of a slow night, yeah. but also you know that that's who they're going to take a zero in on because they know what she can do. She can take over a game at any given time. But like you said, NC State is still a very good team as well. Check this out. Now I need to talk to you about this game for a second. South Carolina ended up winning this game sixty six fifty five. That was that was losing at halftime, so it, uh, it had to be a halftime adjustment. A girl, Cardosa, she's back and dropped in a double-double after qualifying for the Olympics with 16, no, 18 points and 10 rips, okay? It's like she didn't miss a step. Had another double-double by off the pine. Watkins, 14 points and 10 rips. We already know what South Carolina is. We talk about it all the time, but I just the continuity and just the, 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 the I guess just the tenacity of play to say even if we down at half. The game ain't over. Yeah, uh, they, they don't. Come on, man. They not gonna stress themselves out about being down at all because they know how they can. They know the level of basketball that they're supposed to be playing. Unless they, unless a team com, comes out and completely blows them out, and I'm talking about you gonna have to be up 30, 40 on us to think we out of this game. Just because I know what I have, and if I'm Don Staley, I'm reassuring my team that. You guys know who's sitting beside you on this bench. You guys know who you practice with day in and day out. Y'all gonna bet on y'all gonna bet against them? <laughs> exactly. Not a wise thing to do. Listen, the thing that gets me, man, and it's almost like a little teaser, is that uh when, when a team goes up on on South Carolina, it's so much hope in their eyes. And then when they get rolling and then they take and put a, a scoring drought on another team for five, six, seven minutes, whatever, you know, it, it just takes the heart out of the game. Lions <laughs> and stuff have a tendency to like to play with their food. <laughs> 
<laughs> Man, I'm just glad I'm able to watch this happen as it do of those wonderful things on the court, man, because it's just such a well-coached team, such a great program, man. Absolutely. And it's still more to come. Stay tuned. Louisville, okay, squeaked out one. You know how feisty they are. I love Louisville, man. I just do. Just to, just how they play, man, on the court. They took care of BC 69 to 67. When you think about Louisville, okay, now they taking four out of their five starters were in dip double digits. Cochran 11, Rickards 16, Jefferson 14, and Taylor 13. It's always a group effort. And like you got eyes getting a little drawn a little bit close to what they're able to do as well. So these games are getting a little bit closer, but they're still able to win as a team. Yeah. Um, like you said, just a feisty team who they just scrap into the end. They're one of those scrappy teams who just keep coming at you into that last horn sounds. Um, and those are the type of teams you don't like to see in tournament situations because you don't get a break. There's no breaks in the game. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see going forward. That's another ACC team who can push. They can make a run in this thing. Yeah, and I think they're going to make a lot of noise once they take and they get there. Gonzaga, they did a great job taking care of St. Mary's 96 to uh, 68. I want to talk about this Duke and Virginia Tech game. We know how high we're on Virginia Tech, man. Another ACC. This is an ACC matchup, period. Uh, but uh, uh, Carl Lawson, they, I, they couldn't quite get it done. Virginia Tech won 61 to 56, but this was a highly competitive game. It was lost right there at the end. Yeah, um, the difference maker was Kitley. Kelly came out there and gave 34 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, Georgia Amore had a bad shooting night. She was only 4 for 21, 2 for 9 from 3. But she did chip in 13 points, um, was able to chip in 3 steals on the other side. So just continuing the fight. Um, and like I, we talk about Duke, it, it's a building thing. She Carl Lawson understands she has to build it up. Um, she's getting some players coming into that thing. I've seen... She got a she got a lady coming who can dunk the ball easily. Mm-hmm. She does it easily. Uh, remind me of the Duke commit on the man's side, Cooper Flag. So she has a a unicorn per se coming into her program next year. So it's it's a building thing, but she's setting up the foundation of who she wants this team to be. I want to say they beat Carolina in their matchup that we had uh, not too long. Yep. The game before this, 68 to 60 in overtime, mm-hmm. they came out on top. So it's a building thing. They was on a three-game win streak coming into this Virginia Tech game. So they're building it up, and she's going to make sure it's built up the right way. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, like you say, that staying power, baby. You know what I mean? She was a great player, man, at Tennessee, and I love to watch her. I want to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think in my head. Uh, was uh, was uh, Carol Lawson and. Uh, Candace Parker not on the same team? I don't think so. Were they not on? They were I think Carl was dead before. Okay, okay. Well, I'm trying to figure out because she, uh, uh, Shamika Holesclaw. That's who I'm thinking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, it was so fun to watch, and we know uh, what kind of coach uh, Pat Summit was, one of the greatest coaches to coach the game, man. And uh, like I said, and I think Carl Lawson, she ran a whole lot of point mm-hmm. and everything. And I, her head just flowing up and down the court, man, and she was just making buckets. You know what I mean? She That's how I knew who, who she was because her head was, was flying up and down the court with her. But it, it was great to watch, man. She might man. be the next great Coach K. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, hey, listen, great program, and she's doing great things. Hey, how about this game on tap tonight? Listen, first of all, we got that Ivy League in women's college. 
basketball, baby. We got Princeton and Brown. Uh, I do feel that Princeton will be dancing in March at 20-3, and three, you know, probably on the auto bid, getting in there with the Ivy League. You got Chen and the Wiki. They the ones that's taking this drive in this Princeton team right now, man, so we can expect some good things to be happening because we don't see a whole lot from them. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, they know them for the defense. Yeah, they, <laughs> man, we talk about it all the time. These these. Ain't nothing worse than a smart, skilled basketball player. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the only question was about their skills. Right. We knew they were smart. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and now they're showing you the skills part. Yeah, they absolutely are, man. And that's going to be a fun game to watch. I, I do feel that uh, Princeton is going to go ahead and take that thing. Now, Creighton at 20-3 and three is great. They're going to play against uh, uh, St. John's uh, of New York. Uh, Ronsiski had 29 points. Jensen had 19. And Townsend had 10 off the pine in their last game. Uh, so don't sleep on Creighton because they're, they're, they're a very uh, uh, well-put-together team that plays good defense and uh, can make things happen. Just another team who kind of started off up under the radar, but is trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Now, we got this Georgetown-UConn matchup with Paige Beckers. Whenever you lose to South Carolina, it stings a little bit more. You know, you got to put alcohol and kind of kind of clear that out and everything, a little peroxide, and kind of, you know, just kind of tap it and let it air dry before you put the Band-Aid on it. So, you know Paige Beckers is going to come out and make some noise against Georgetown. Especially the way that they was playing before that. Uh, you go 81-60 to 60 against Villanova. St. John's, you beat 78-63. You beat Seton Hall, 67-34. Then you run into South Carolina and you lose 83-65. to And then you come back against Xavier and win 86-40. to So it's like, we, <laughs> we were the bullies. <laughs> And we allowed ourselves to get bullied. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't let that happen. You know what I mean? Can't that let that happen. That don't fit right. No, no. So I feel bad for the rest of the teams that's been to see UConn for the rest of this year. Because y'all going y'all gonna to make up for it. Yeah. Listen, they're going to press the pedal to the metal and they ain't going to stop. Not even going to. They don't even have a rear view mirror. Okay. No, they, they took them off. They about, to take it, they about to take it out on all these teams that they can defeat. <laughs> Listen, Colorado is playing Utah. We love both of these teams as well. How about that Bonley Alisa Pilly matchup? That's gonna be a big one. That's gonna be a big matchup. Um, I think now low, they both kind of cancel each other out. If Alisa Pilly's shot from the outside is falling, I think that'll be the difference maker. Mm-hmm. If she's able to pop out to that three and get that shot falling, I think that'll be the difference maker in this game. But don't you think you do most of her work down low? Uh. It, I think it, she kind of goes based off the defense, mm. based off if she's going up against a bigger four, she'll take him outside. If she's going up against somebody who she can use her body more against, she'll do that. Now, that's what I said. Her game is just so smart. Like, she's understanding of what she can do. She'll get going down here against some people. And once I do, y'all can't really – you going to take a charge? Right. Basketball IQ is off the chart. Who you got winning this game between Colorado and Utah? Um, I'm going to go Utah just because I think they're more of a – they're kind of a more dimensional team versus if Colorado's three-point shot isn't falling for them on any given night, I just don't see them being able to make up for that in other categories. Live by the three, die by the three. 
We know how that can be. I think that's be. not a bit in their identity this whole year. Right, exactly. And that's kind of like, that's the, one of the most dangerous teams is if the three is falling. But then, man, it, it, that, that, the uh, productivity and when the shot produ- production drops uh, and the probability of winning drops, if it's not, you know, yeah, it, you it, almost put yourself one dimension. And it's kind of, your, now you're playing against yourself. In the defense, right? Because now I'm just not making shots. Mm-hmm. So now you gotta you gotta battle that mental side of it versus can I bounce back? Try, and then you still got their guarding me. So mm-hmm. you know it. You got to pull a bigger rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. I feel you. All right, listen. UCLA is playing Oregon State, and I think the starters for UCLA will be uh, GJ, which is Triple J's little sister, Betts, Osborne, Rice, and Jones. Um, I'm looking for a big game from UCLA, baby, tonight against Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State's just hot right now. Mm-hmm. They're coming in. Uh, they've won their last five, and they beat some. they beat Colorado, Utah twice. Uh, they beat Colorado twice, Utah twice, and they beat Oregon. So in these last five, they kind of gotten it rolling. While UC, we've seen UCLA kind of battling, you know, they kind of had some bumps in the road uh, against Stanford. Uh, that was a twenty point loss, and then they lost a close one against Washington State. So I just think this is a a team clicking on all cylinders versus a team trying to get back to when they were number two in the nation. Trap game. I don't think it's a trap game because I, I want to say both teams are well aware of who they're playing against, who they're up against. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Listen. You know that Juju ain't through. USC baby is gonna play Oregon. Uh, looking for another great night from Juju uh, as she continues to develop her game. Listen, California. <laughs> yes, California. California's playing Stanford, baby, for the nightcap with a girl, Cameron Brinks. I'm calling it right now. A double-double. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, 20 points, 15 rips, and uh, eight assists. <laughs> Ain't no telling. Huh? <laughs> Tell me, man, what you think about this California-Stanford matchup, baby, in uh, TV, for tv with that coach? Um, it's just Stanford said be able to take care of this one fairly easily if they just play their game. Um, and then you know that coach it is nothing better than having a coach who's been to the mountaintop, seen everything there is to see, can tell you how to react. Not can just make sure you're not overreacting to something. Make sure you're not overthinking the situation. Mm-hmm. She's just gonna have you guys ready to play game in the game out and then you have two generational talents down there in that paint, which is I, I think that's what separates Stanford from a lot of these teams. Yeah, and that's because the, the, the last time we kind of heard about that was David Robinson and and, and our other boy uh, Tim, Tim Duncan, Tim man. Duncan, yeah. You know when we had that double threat down low, man. That's a great thing, man. That's wonderful. Oh man, absolutely. Hey, must see TV. Women's college basketball. Don't miss a minute, baby. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we got to talk about men's college hoops. Okay. Now, this is what I want to talk about right here. This UNC-Syracuse matchup. We know who won the game. They're the people that won it. I ain't even concerned about the score of the game and who won it. I'm concerned about UNC and how they lost. All right? And the reason why I say that is because when I'm looking at this game, okay, it's a couple things that stand out to me. First of all, I think the game was too close going down the stretch. That's just how I feel about it. All right? The turnovers was an issue, especially near the end of the game. When UNC North Carolina was able to get into their offense, I seen shot reluctance, man. It's like nobody really wanted to take that shot. They dumped the ball down low just to get it kicked right back out. So they stayed on the perimeter and it forced low percentage shots. 
Then when they was at, they had to play the foul game so early, Syracuse they didn't even respect the rebound. They put they listen. They had they guys shoot the free throws. Everybody else was back resting, ready to play stingy defense. In game, Syracuse fans court rushing. Yeah. Man, chop this up, man. Uh, pretty much you touched on everything. Turnovers, um, and shot selection really killed this. Um, and it really was a thing of. The re- the the reluctancy to shoot came from everybody struggling to make shots. You got to keep shooting, though. You got to keep shooting. What are we going to do if you don't? It's the only way we're going to score the ball. And then they Syracuse, I will give them this, just a great game plan from them. Um, that that zone uh, forced us to kind of play, in, I mean, inside out. They was crashing everything down if we kicked it into Baycott. So you kind of do, and that's what you do against a two or three. You got you got to shoot about it. We just weren't able to make our shots that game, and that's what's been scaring me on this up and down roller coaster that we've been on since the Duke game. Or even you can go back to Georgia Tech because that's when it's we lost one, beat Duke, lost one. So ever since we started this, it's been inconsistency on shooting. I was talking to a Duke fan the other night, and he was telling me, "You guys wouldn't have won if Harrison Ingram wasn't that hot." I disagreed in the moment just because it's two fans arguing about their teams. But in reality, yes, we wouldn't have won if Harrison England wasn't shooting that hot because also nobody else was shooting good. R.J. Davis was having that cold night. Cormac Ryan has been struggling with his three-point shot. And then I'll talk about L.A. Cadeau's unwillingness to shoot the three ball. Right. That's when it was really put into a spotlight in that Duke game where they just wasn't guarding him out there. So it, those are the things that's going forward kind of has me worried about... I'm not worried about RJ. I'm not worried about Baycott. I'm not really worried about Harrison Ingram, either, because Harrison is a utility guy. Baycott's game is so simple. His game is going to go wherever he goes. It's rebound, put it back up. You know, he doesn't overthink it. He doesn't try to overdo anything. RJ Davis, I'm fine with what he's got going on. Even when he starts off slow, he tends to pick it up towards the end of the games. But with that being said, will Cormac Ryan find his shot again? Mm-hmm. Will Elliot Cadeau find confidence in his shot? Because right now he definitely don't look confident out there, man. He don't have any confidence in his shot at yeah, all. Yeah, it's like, what are we doing? At all. And it's that's a problem because it allows defenses to ignore you. You can't play 31 minutes and only score four points. You can't do that. Yeah, it's just, it is not. And I understand his play style is a floor general. He is a facilitator. He's trying to set up the offense and get the offense going. But I've also seen how dangerous he is attacking the basket. Once he gets going down off coming off the screen, his his finishing game is one of the best in the country. He does have a great ability to finish at the rim. It's just that. It's that habit of taking the backseat. That habit of letting everybody around him get theirs and he'll just you know I'm just out here take what's, re- what's yeah, left over he's just out here trying to be I get to trying to be a team player I get trying to earn my stripes being the freshman I get all that stuff you're the point guard though at the end of the day you're our point guard if you're showing a lack of confidence it kind of rubs off on the team mm-hmm. now when he's out there and he's Showing that energy level that he's brought some games. It rubs off also. I just think he's going to have to shoot the ball. I mean, this game he was 
one for I mean yeah he shot one shot that was the only shot he made that one three pointer as it was he was zero for three so I just think you gotta just shoot it confidently we'll live with you missing or making it you just gotta shoot it mm-hmm. yeah uh, when when I think about uh, kind of how this game and, and how it kind of went um, one thing that kind of like stood out to me is that I just feel when it comes to North Carolina Tar Heels basketball I just don't feel like they attack the basket enough I just don't. Yeah. I, not, we have discussed this before. They are a great three-point shooting team. They are, and I don't. And I don't take none of that from them. But man, when you think about the other teams and everything that they play against, they're attacking the basket. They're attacking you. Our our guards are with the size of our guards. We do have a smaller backcourt. They R.J. Davis does attack. He gets into that little mid-range where he likes to do that floater right. and get up. And so I'll say he does attack. We talked about Elliot Cadeau and his little learning curve. He he has to learn how to balance that big of floor general and then attack it at the right times. But he, I've seen him, like I said, I've seen him come off screens and get directly downhill, and he can't finish at the basket. I've seen things, uh, he goes coast to coast. I've seen flashes in the pan from him. Now, outside of those guys, Harrison Ingram isn't a driver. He isn't a driver. He's a, he really a catch-and-shoot guy, might do one-two dribble pull-ups. That's really him. Cormac Ryan, same thing. Catch and shoot guys. Uh, stay around on that perimeter. They, you might get them slashing a couple back doors and things like. That. But that's not. They're not. That's not their game. Our slasher and our cutter and things like that is on the bench. That's Seth Trimble. Mm-hmm. But he also bought into the role of our defensive guy. Mm-hmm. When he comes in, that's where we tend to press up. We tend to go full court. We tend to do things like that. He's our energy guy. But he also is our. He doesn't shoot either, really. He's not, but he attacks way more than what Elliot Cadeau does. Right now, in this particular game, uh, uh, North Carolina only got uh, ten points off the bench. Um, at, at these points, because I know it's more than ten players on the team. I mean, yeah, more, yeah, more than that on the team. But, but listen, what I'm trying to say is that, that whenever it's something like this, is uh, do you still do you see a reluctance for for Hubert Davis to go to the bench again and just maybe get a, smart, a spark or a little bit of a rest? Because sometimes you can just throw legs on it and everything and get just a little bit more to what you need to get. Maybe somebody else can start to yeah, heat it's up. Yeah, so, it's so inconsistent with his with his. Uh, rotations. That's my point. Because we've seen him throw out five players. Right. Everybody, you know, we've seen him throw out five players. They play the whole game. But we've also seen him throw out nine, ten, and they all play double digit minutes as well. So I, I think it's just a his he, him going off the feel of the game. Um, because this game we pretty much we were fighting from behind the whole game. We were fighting from behind the whole game. It was one point where I want to say we got it down to fifty five, fifty four, something like that. Um, and I think he was just going with the eight that's because we do got a solid eight. The eight that that just went out there. Um, I'll say seven because Withers kind of falls in and out of rotation too. But our starting five and then Washington and Seth Trimble is our guaranteed seven. These seven are going to see the floor. The rest are kind of dependent on how the game's going. Withers will come in um, sparingly depending on how the game's going. Everybody else won't touch the floor unless we're either blowing them out, somebody's in foul trouble, you know, one of those things the way he has no choice. But he he doesn't go deeper than eight. Is is that not an Achilles heel? In certain situations, yes, I can see it. But also, the guys aren't – how much would bringing these guys in help us? Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll help us enough versus having 
one of these eight guys off the floor. Well, yeah, I got you. Well, you know it's about that time and everything, so they're going to have to take and figure it out. And listen, they're not playing bad. Not saying that. They're not saying that. But you already see the intensity of it right now. Yeah. When the month of March hits, that's going to quadruple. Yeah, you don't want the inconsistencies going right. into a game like this. I got you. Okay, we got 19 games on tap. With men's college hoops, baby, ACC matchup, we got Wake Forest and Virginia. Chop it up. Um, Virginia's been on a good little streak as of late. Uh, they're piecing together some good wins. I, I, I think they pulled this one out fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, we know how that ACC uh, conference play goes. People come out with 110%. Every, every every single time, every single night. Uh, I'm very interested in the Texas-Houston matchup. I really want to see uh, if Houston going to get back to their identity with that lockdown D, uh, being really aggressive when it comes to that shot-making potential and everything. And we know the Texas is a very, is a very good team as well, uh, but I really think that Houston needs to make a statement this game. Yeah. Um, they, they, they've they've – they keep popping up around that three to five ranking area. Um, I just think they haven't really. Yes, we understand about their defense. We understand all that. I just don't think they've really shown me enough to consider them. We just talked about our targets. I don't think they're a better team than my target, and that's unbiased. That's me being unbiased. Just watching these two, I don't think they're a better team than my targets. Because I think my targets will be able to match their defensive their defensive effort a lot, and then I don't think they'll be able to match what we can do offensively. So just looking at it, like I don't think they're better. We've seen them go up against the Kansas, a team who matches their defensive energy. Are you able to match these better teams' offensive capability? Right, that's right. what I haven't seen from them. So who wins this game between Texas and Houston? Um, I still got Houston, mm-hmm. but my thing, I want to see them put up a ninety-point game. Okay, that'll be very interesting to see because have they did that all year? I don't think so. Okay, yo, all right. Listen, all right, you got uh, Duke and Florida State. Duke has been winning. ACC matchup again. Think they're going to keep rolling from Scousey's going to have a double-double tonight? Oh, yeah, we made them mad. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I know you're very highly... Y'all welcome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know you're very highly interested in this UNC Virginia Tech game. Yeah. Um, so who? We so, lost last game, right? Yeah. So we should win this one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, like we were just talking about, I just want to see some consistency mm-hmm. from the team. Um, really, I just want to see Elliot Cadell grow in his confidence, and I think that's a big thing of how far this team will be able to go is how confident he can get in his shot. I want to see him. It's, I'm not saying go out there and just jack them up. No. If they leave you open, how some of these teams have been leaving you open after that Duke game, I want to see you fire that thing up. Miss, I don't care if you miss. I don't care if you shoot that ball into the third stairs of the crowd. I just want to see you not hesitate to let it go. If they leave you open, fire it up. Right, right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, sh- what, that's what uh, shooters do. Shooters keep shooting. So just keep shooting. Shoot yourself out of it and everything. So you got UNC winning this game? I got us winning this one. All right, give me a score. Um, I'm going to go 86-73. Okay, cool. Now, number one, UConn is going to play Marquette. That's going to be a powerful matchup, man. Okay, you know what I mean? Well, UConn's still sitting at number one. Marquette is a feisty team that likes to take and really ball real hard. Play great defense as well. Tell me about this UConn-Marquette matchup. Um. 
they're kind of a team who mirrors each other. Mm-hmm. They kind of mirror each other. Where where with Kolick uh, for Marquette, then you got Cam Spencer at UConn. They kind of have similar games. Um, great shooters, ball handlers, and, like they got that. And then they're, they're both team oriented. That's their identities. Um, it's not a it's not a guy. It's not oh we got this guy who's looking to go number three. No 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 no. We got these five guys who are looking to win a championship. And that's what I I think those are the teams that fare better in college basketball. I like I said I talked to the Duke guy and he was you know Carolina Duke better. He was telling me how Carolina don't put people into the league. I was telling him <laughs> what I was te- yeah. Recently we've kind of had or we don't have we don't put the level of what Duke has put into the league as of recently. He likes to bring up Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Zion, all these guys. And he likes to say, y'all best player right now is Kobe White. Granted, cool, cool. What they got to do, we talking Carolina Duke, though. <laughs> and that's what I tell them all the time. What does that, what does you guys having success in the NBA have to do with anything at Duke? <laughs> nothing. Y'all didn't help, y'all didn't, y'all didn't do nothing. They was there for six months. <laughs> they was gonna be this regardless. They could have went to any college in the world, and they would have been this when they got to the NBA. Right. Regardless, y'all, our people play for Carolina. Y'all people play for the NBA. <laughs> I love it. That y'all are stepping stool. <laughs> hey, check this out. That's cool. Listen, uh, uh, Kansas. Uh, basketball right now, I think that the name has been bigger than they play on the court. Okay, uh, Kansas uh, goes up against Oklahoma, man, and I really want to know how you feel about this matchup, man, because I, I think Kansas could be playing a little bit better. Um, Kansas is in the same spot as North Carolina right now. Um, for the past, probably I'll say eight games, they've been one on one off, one on one off, one on one off, um, and that, that's including some bad losses to West Virginia. Uh, Kansas State, Texas Tech. So it's uh, right, yeah. It's some exactly. tough losses in there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a. It's not about the talent thing. They have the talent. They got the coach. They got all of that. It's the effort and the discipline and things like that. You can't get. You can't look too far ahead. This team knows they're going to be at March Madness. This team knows they're going to be. There, they're gonna make it to the dance. They're gonna be in the Big Twelve champion. I mean, you know, they're gonna be in the Big Twelve tournament. Probably have the number one seed. They know all these things, so it sometimes it gets easy to overlook a, a Texas Tech game. That leads to you losing by twenty nine. Mm-hmm. So it's that thing. Bill Self just has to get them focused on today. Keep the focus on today instead of looking. Hunter Dixon, I know he came to Kansas to prove himself. So, it's just a balancing of keeping them guys focused. That's all I can say. Keeping them focused on what's ahead of us today. Yeah, I got you. Do Kansas beat Oklahoma? Um, yes. Okay, cool. Kentucky plays Auburn. All right, how about Kentucky and Auburn? Um, I'm just excited to see two North Carolina guys, uh, Aiden Holloway, who plays for Auburn, and then Rob Dillingham, who plays for Kentucky. Two guys from... Um, Aiden's from Charlotte. Uh, Rob, I want to say, is from Hickory. But they both played for uh, Team CP3 in the AAU circuit. Um, two two of the probably the best freshmen right now in the country. Uh, and it's just going to be exciting to see them doing their thing. 
Right, um, right. Hey, listen, we, we got a lot of uh, homegrown talent, man, in, in North Cacalac. You know, Absolutely, baby. <laughs> yeah. Vanderbilt in Tennessee. Tennessee. How about that one? Um, Tennessee should walk away with this one just because they're, they're a little bit ahead of this Vandy team right now. Mm-hmm. Vandy is in a down year. Uh, they trying to figure out where they going next or how to move forward. Tennessee's that team. They're, they're a couple, like, ideals away. Just figuring out something to to set them apart. Mm-hmm. But they have some good talent on that team. We talked about Canocto, you know. Right. Can't say his name to save my life. But <laughs> we've talked about him. Connect. Connect. <laughs> we've, we've talked about him and things like that. So, they Tennessee is good. Um, do they win this game, though? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think they do this one fairly easy. Okay. You got uh, Baylor and uh, uh, plays West Virginia. And then on the, nat- the nightcap, you got Arizona State against number five, Arizona in-state rival, baby. What about Arizona against Arizona State? Um, Arizona started off hot at the beginning of the year. They kind of cooled off. Or maybe they just not getting the same coverage as they was early on. Mm. I know they started off the season, I want to say, Bob beating Duke and Cameron Indoor. So, mm. It, that just tells you the type of team that they are. They they're a good team. Uh, mm-hmm. Caleb Love, I want to say, is averaging around eighteen, nineteen points out there. Um, they got Kyle Boswell. Uh, I just love. The, I, I like what they're doing. Um, I think they win this one too. Going away. Okay. And listen, the, the next game that uh, Purdue has, number two Purdue, is against Ohio State on the eighteenth. Uh, really interested in that matchup because we know how good Purdue has been doing this year. So how you feel about that uh, Purdue Ohio State matchup that's coming up soon? Yeah, I think Purdue right now should be people's favorites to uh, win this whole thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Must see TV, people. Watch it when it comes on. Listen. How about this little NFL update, man? Uh, now I, I was I was thinking about this thing. And uh, here's here's a little something that I've taken that I, I want to uh, uh, read to you. And then I want you to tell me how you feel about it. So check this out, uh, Dima, man. I want to read this to you right quick. Listen, the 49ers let go of Steve Wilkes, who finished his first year with the team in the role of defensive coordinator. The 49ers lost Super Bowl 58 to the Kansas City Chiefs 25-22. Notice this. In a game where the defense played well for most of the game, but folded late. Translate that for me. Scapegoat. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Scapegoat. Um, you look at earlier in the season when they went on that three-game skid, and their reaction was, Steve Wilkes, you got to come to the sideline. Well, your offense only put up 17 points in all three of those games. You look at the Super Bowl. We didn't give up a touchdown until that muff point. We didn't give up another touchdown until overtime. That's my fault, too. Yeah, it's like, what are we doing? When I, th- when I think about this right here and everything, right, one of the things that stands out to my mind is I think about the Super Bowl as it went through my mind and the plays and everything that kind of went on. I felt that the defense played well enough to win the Super Bowl. I don't feel the same way about the offense, okay? Whenever there's been a situation on this this season and this year alone where the 49ers have scored 28 or more points, they've won every single game, and that's including the playoffs. What happened to their offensive genius in the Super Bowl game? And that's the thing. when this, Like I said, when y'all went on a three-game skid, he only put up 17, and nobody blinked an eye at the offense. Uh, nobody blinked an eye at Kyle Shanahan because there was the, oh, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy. Y'all ain't nobody say nothing about Kyle Shanahan and what he was not doing. It was Brock Purdy and Shane Wilkes. I mean, Steve Wilkes. 
That's terrible. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now he's he was you know he was in charge of a great defense this year and lost his job. Yeah, I don't get it, man. We already know that Steve Wilkes is a winner. Did he not win seven out of eight when he was in Carolina mm-hmm. before he even took this job yeah. as a San Francisco defensive coordinator? All right, so I'm kind of scratching my head right now, man, because right now it kind of boggles my mind because I think you have one of the best offensive coordinators in the game, okay, with Eric B. And I think you have one of the best defensive coordinators in the game with Steve Wilkes. And both of them are looking for work. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't make the The 49ers, I would say – Panic at the disco. You know, it, everything seems so fine on the outside and all that. They're panicking because they just, no matter how close they get, they can't seem to figure out a way to bring it home. You know, last year they had the Brock Purdy injury excuse. This year, I guess Steve Wilkes is the excuse. Oh, but Kyle said the hands 0-2 and Steve Wilkes wasn't there on the first team. So it is a when does it fall on the head coach? When does he have to take some responsibility in this thing? Because every time the 49ers underperform, it's somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. Or it's for some other reason. Right, right. I take it, um, when I think about this, I, I hope that both of, of, of these, um, these men uh, find themselves in a winning situation. I'm not necessarily saying on a winning team, but a winning situation where they're at a place where they're wanted and they're actually able to show uh, what they are able, truly able to do, man, and actually giving a true chance to uh, to show what they're able to put on the field, the product they're able to take and run with. See, the thing with me is with both of these guys, what more do they have to show you guys? Steve Wilkes has done it at high levels as both a defensive coordinator and when he got the interim head coach job. He turned this team around and gave us a culture. We we were fighting for a playoff spot up to that last week. Eric Benamy won Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator. Had that Kansas City Chiefs team looking like a historically great offensive team. He got here. Had Sam Howell lead the league in passing yards for a long time with no protection up front. And y'all mad because he didn't lean on the run game? Mm-hmm. Like, y'all are nitpicking. Yeah. Yeah, he he didn't lean on it, but it was still 4.4 4, 4. 4 yards per carry. I want to say ranked like seventh in the league in that category. So he, he did establish a good run game. He just had the passing game going more. What do y'all and then Washington doesn't make sense as far as y'all have the number two pick. It's a foregone conclusion you guys are getting one of those top three quarterbacks. Uh Caleb Williams, Drake May, are now Jaden Daniels has inserted himself into this conversation. Y'all are getting one of these three quarterbacks. You went out and hired a defensive coordinator as your head coach. Why not keep Eric B there? Right. Mm-hmm. So when you think about all this and everything that's going on, is, are, are there any OCs and DCs positions available right now that's coming up or what? Because what do you see him landing? I know that Eric B was talking to the Chiefs and hadn't heard anything else about that. Yeah. Uh, if I'm him, I'm I'm one way back to Kansas City. Yeah. Um, but and I think that's the only one still open. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about DC? I don't think no DCs mm-hmm. are open. Maybe the Seattle got to fill out their coaching staff because I know they were the last ones to get their head coach in. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard anything about what he's done with his assistants. So maybe Seattle mm-hmm. has openings right now, but I think everybody else is pretty much. I don't know what Tampa Bay did as far as replacing Canales either at OC. 
So it might be some positions still open. Um, and anything that's open right now, I think he's he's the first person. These two, both of them are the first people you call. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So we're gonna keep our eyes on it, man, and uh, you know, see what happened and, and keep following that thing, and then you know, we'll chop it up when it take place. We would like to thank everyone for listening today. Yeah, please join us again on our next episode of the Donald and Donald Podcast. You know what it is. Please remember to drink your water and don't forget to stretch. Yeah, don't worry about your win. Just know that it's coming. We'll see y'all next episode. Double D.